Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Cold Popshire podcast. It is just AJ with you right now. As some of you will know, we were originally planned to do a Q&A episode as something a bit more relaxed this week as Richard and Jess are in Japan and we didn't quite have as much time as we usually do to uh, plan this sort of thing. Uh, however, be- we recorded the episode and it was great, but the Wi-Fi is apparently so tenuous over there in Japan uh, that I can't get Richard's half of the conversation. So what we're going to do today instead is da, 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 we're going to give you some of our exclusive Patreon content for free on the main feed in the hopes that it might uh, whet the appetites of some of you who are on the fence about joining our Patreon. So consider this the Patreon sampler pack episode uh, but before we get into what you're about to listen to i do just want to say that we now have a cult popshire discord server so discord if you don't know is a like a chat room kind of thing where you can go on and join and um you'll be able to chat with richard and i as well as other people who listen to the show or watch the videos about all things cult popshire and all things pop culture um so please there's a there's a link in the description of this episode check that out join the discord and um come chat with us and uh yeah let's get to know one another let's let's hang out let's shoot the shit and i've also started my movember campaign this is a foundation in new zealand that focuses on men's health so uh every november anyone who's participating they shave off their beards and try and grow a mustache um all in the name of awareness and funding for research for like testicular cancer and prostate cancer as well as men's mental health um but this year i thought i'd do something a little bit different instead of shaving my beard off i shaved most of it off and left a ridiculous samurai master uh mustache which makes me look very stupid um so please donate there'll also be a link to this in the description as well as the link to the discord as well as a link to the patreon um so please get on that and uh uh, support men in New Zealand and support Cole Popshire on Discord and support Cole Popshire financially with Patreon. So the episodes you're going to be here hearing on today's sample pack, we're going to be hearing our film franchise follow-ups episode, which is a our $5 tier on um, Patreon. You pay $5 a month and you'll be able to hear an exclusive podcast where we revisit an old franchise that we've we've covered before and look at like a TV show or a video game or another movie in that series that has come out since we've covered it. And this episode is the Lord of the Rings special features because, you know, we started the Lord of the Rings episode and everyone was like, oh, you've got to watch the special features. So we did. We watched them all and you'll be able to hear our thoughts on them Um coming up and after that you'll hear an episode of generic underscore movie underscore podcast dot exe which is our ten dollar tier um uh exclusive podcast where we where our our ten dollar tier patrons vote on a movie and then we watch it you know and review it and that's 
the episode. So that that episode you'll be hearing is on the Shawshank Redemption. So a bit of a long long episode uh, potentially because there's too many episodes, sort of like what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks actually. Um, so check it out. You'll be you'll be hearing the Lord of the Rings film franchise follow ups and the Shawshank Redemption generic movie podcast. Um, and if you like them, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cult it's probably also worth mentioning that our $1 tier allows you to suggest and vote on which franchises that we watch. Um, every every second film franchise, Fortnite's, is Patreon decided. So go check that out. Here's the episodes. Thanks, guys. Richard, okay, first, first point of, of talk first talking point about the lord of the rings extended special features right because yep. that's what we're doing this film franchise follow-ups where we do a follow-up on a franchise we've covered this week uh this month sorry we spent uh two, 12 hours as long as the actual trilogy itself i think it's uh, longer than that like, it is yeah, it's yeah, yeah so long yeah watching the special features because people asked us to um and i don't know how many of those people are patrons but you know, we did we did the the original trilogy and we did the Hobbit trilogy, and people were like, "Well, you've got to watch the special features." And we were like, "Oh yeah, it's like a couple documentaries, right? We'll do that." This has been a investment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but first talking point: this is one of the biggest gripes I have, and I don't have many gripes, but one of the biggest gripes I have. So the the DVD box set that we have of that we both have of well, the series. Both borrowed. Yeah, yeah, we're both borrowed. Um, it's sort of, if you haven't seen it, it's like a box and in it there are three, uh, the three DVDs, but they're kind of made to look like leather-bound books, right? And they're like, there's a there's a green one, a a red one, and a blue one. Yeah. Now, I don't know about, about you, but Fellowship is green, is the green one, and that's fine. Then Two Towers is red and Return of the King is blue. I don't know what it is, but it feels like Return of the King should be red and Two Towers is the more blue movie. Yeah, I I totally agree. I was thinking yeah. about this. <laughs> it really annoyed me. If you'd asked me, before I checked, if you'd asked me what colours, I would have been like, oh, it goes green, blue, red, the colours of... I don't... I, is is Two Towers a more blue film than... I, Return of the King's a more red film because there's a lot more lava and stuff. So I don't know. It annoys me that they... they and red, red feels like an, a more ultimate yeah. colour as well. Because it's like, stop. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's the first thing I wanted to t- talk about. I'm glad you agree, and it's not just some like, you know, no, we, when you talk about colours, it can often be like just something in your own psyche that makes you associate colours with certain things. But hey. yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, mm. we've done. <laughs> we've watched these things. So uh, let's explain how how they work. So, yep. Each um each movie has four discs. Yeah. Two discs for the film, two discs for special features. And so the first one it kind of works that the first one's more about pre production, second one's more about filming and post production. So mm. each film has one about uh J. R. R. Tolkien. 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 I think it's Tolkien. Tolkien. Yeah. And uh then it has one about uh writing the script, like what they had to change. Mm-hmm. It's got one about Weta. Yeah. It's got one about the bigatures, which are miniatures, but they're big. 
And what else have we got on the first? Uh, you've you've got um, uh, like the you've got a pre- a premiere one. It always ends with the premiere. Oh yeah, so um, yeah, I was talking about the first disc. Um, yeah, yeah, oh, the first jumped, disc. You've jumped I the gun. I just I, it does. There are some that are just random ones that are included. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so each film has like specific ones to that film. And then, yeah, the second disc you've got, there's one called Cameras in Middle Earth, which is always the best one, mm. which is just about filming. Which is and like, then, we could have just watched each of them and that would be enough for filming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, And then, yeah, there's one about post-production and mm. what about the premiere and yeah. Yeah, um, very, very long, guys. And yeah, I don't, God, please don't, some of these are long. <laughs> please don't uh, interpret this as me um, saying that they're bad because- these are some of the most enriching <laughs> behind the scenes special features I've ever seen for a film. But we, it's with, so with, with a lot of times we got to kind of measure the return on investment with, with stuff like this, right? So like the, the Patreon podcast, there's probably about, I think about 10 people who can listen to this episode. <laughs> and we've done more work. I'm not even exaggerating. We've done more work in terms of man hours for this episode of film franchise follow-ups than we did for like the national treasure <laughs> episode yeah. of, of the main mainline podcast. Yeah. If I was on my computer at work, I could tell you like how long this is compared to other franchises. And this uh watching these lord of the rings special features is probably the in the top 10 longest franchises we've done Mm. and it would be and look again it's weird that i i'm complaining i think i'm complaining about it because we had to rush it to watch it all within and like we still even missed our deadline we missed (laughs) we missed doing it for last month's film franchise follow-ups and then it was supposed to come out on the first theoretically of of um march and now it's the eighth at the time of recording this um just it took so long to watch um but that being said man i thought these were great yeah yeah some (laughs) some of them definitely like there's a definite like um yeah, certain ones interest me more than others and mm. certain ones would interest you more than others and yeah. we might know the same ones and yeah. So it is very, very interesting though. So should we just go through it? <laughs> Phil, I have no I, plan. I don't even know how to discuss these. I have no plan. I guess we could go through um, any our favorite our favorite ones that we remember or any interest, interesting observations and wrap up this 12-hour workload into a 45-minute podcast hmm. for 10 people. So... <laughs> I'm my, not it's, but, uh, it's from fellowship my one of my favorite moments across the whole thing um and so yeah like we, we talked about this like just like we're both when we started i think return of the king special features we were like man we should have taken notes because <laughs> <It's like, laughs> yeah. uh, i remember the return of the king ones really well but yeah some of the some of the other two sort of you know have all blurred together but yeah by, the, one my, by the 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 way we do like the the convenient way of doing film franchise fortnights is that we only have to remember everything for two weeks at the most, right? And sometimes I watch an entire franchise in the second week and and just take the first week off. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm so, about to do with um the Millennium series because yeah, I haven't exactly. started that yet. Yeah, um, but this is a case where it's like we we probably spent about three weeks all up watching these special features which means that by the time we get to the end of the return of the king disc i've forgotten everything that yeah, i yeah. watched i've conditioned I down, my brain to forget media yeah. after two weeks yeah i've written down some notes i might actually pull them up now but i cannot 
confirm i I definitely didn't do it for very long so i've got some notes maybe that i can but yeah you you, what was the one that you liked yeah so my 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 favorite moment across all of it and it's such a like kiwi moment Mm -hmm. is uh so it's the documentary about the creation of hobbiton and so the thing about hobbiton is they made it like a year earlier before they were filming there so that it could like grow uh like so that the, the flora and fauna could you know take it over and look like it's been lived in and so it's this guy's filming a vlog in the car and on the way to hobbiton and he's like all right so today's the big day um we've we've been working really hard at this for um oh, about six weeks now and uh, we're really happy with what we've done um it's you know the army's been in here and we've been excavating it and everything like that but today's actually the first day that Peter is going to see it so um, we're all pretty nervous and uh, we're pretty excited um, but so yeah I just just can't wait to see what he says and, and what he thinks of it and, and so let's see what he thinks and then it cuts to like um, Peter arriving at Hobbiton and there's like this I don't know mirth is that right term where it's like you know like an, a, a hill kind of thing that you can look out over all of Hobbiton and they're like, oh, yeah, so so we've got this over here and, and this is going to be coming in. And Pete's like, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a similar thing happens after Elijah Wood talks about when he asked him what – because Peter Jackson didn't see the final cut of Return of the King till the premiere. <laughs> yeah. And then Elijah Wood's like, and you go up to him afterwards and you ask him, what do you think? He's like, yeah, it's good, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's so Kiwi. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it's such a New Zealand thing to – just that that's as excited as we get about things it's just like mm. yeah no nah, it's good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. um it's, it's it's so funny uh because i mean that's as good as they could have hoped for that's like the best reaction possible mm. but he's like yeah it's good so um down there like, yeah yeah we're gonna get it and he's like okay cool cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's amazing the 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 reverence people have for peter jackson in this document in these documentaries right like this the if, i think if i was to to make a broad statement about this this whole all these documentaries that we, that's nothing we should mention we only watched the documentaries we didn't watch like the photo galleries yeah yeah um like these documentaries man it's it's made me realize you talked in the actual episode of lord of the rings about how like this is unprecedented for a film and the like the production on this the, the, like had never been seen and will probably never be seen again i think is what you said mm. and this really drives that home and yeah. like if you ignore the manpower and the time investment and da 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 that the thing that really got me was like how much fucking money does new line have <laughs> good lord you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they financed, they must have financed, like, I mean, we can find out, can't we, how much mm. they they cost. But I think at, at first I'm like, it must be like billions upon billions of dollars. And then I'm like, no, I think I just don't fully comprehend how large a billion dollars yeah. <laughs> is. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. More, the, more what's happening here is that it's actually a lot more money than I thought it was because they take they i wouldn't say they take their time because they certainly ended up having to rush each film to to like meet the the date but like they just turn there are there are plenty of times across these documentaries where peter jackson turns up on at work and he's like oh let's do this uh 400 million dollar animation 
that I just thought of now. Mm. Let's have Legolas skate across a, a Mummikill's trunk, you know, and it's like that was like a spur of the moment thing. There's one about um, how one of the art directors um, was like, oh, in the in the Return of the King novel, it mentions that there were beasts, but it doesn't define what they were. So let's include them. And they just go, oh, yeah, let's create a new CGI beast. And that beast, I didn't re- remember mm. <laughs> in the actual films. Yeah. I didn't remember until I watched the, the special features. And I was like, oh, yeah. Do you want to know um, how much they cost to make? Oh, yeah, you tell me. Uh, 281 to $330 million. That's so much less than I would have assumed. But I guess I just don't know how much money that is. Yeah, and I guess it's not like they're having to pay like i'm guessing that doesn't include like the salary of every widow person you know don't you i reckon it does because where else no, are they i, re- I reckon that they from? they pay wetter and then wetter pays people's salaries as a company you know so it, it would be included in that then well no but like it, it, it wouldn't work out that it's like wetter's salary is paying directly by that budget hmm like yeah. I think, I think how much money Weta has to pay everyone would probably be more than what they're getting. But because they're like a company, and they can, you know, yeah. Still, man, working on these. If you were passionate, and like even slightly a passionate about whatever facet of filmmaking you're into, this would have been like a dream come true. Hmm. Like not to sound cheesy, and not to not to reiterate what I'm sure people have been saying for you know 15 years now but it's like this is everything about lord of the the lord of the rings behind the scenes even when it was stressful people are in like tears of joy that they get to work on this and and do all these things that they got to do you know and it was inspiring dude i (laughs) i watched it and i was like there was a long time ago when i really wanted to be a filmmaker and this is somewhat reignited that that flame you know like mm. it, it inspired me and it, that's the first time in ages that anything like this has inspired me to be like yeah, they, they're really yeah inspiring like that eh? yeah yeah um that's beautiful yeah so one of my favorite uh documentaries was uh the one on the two towers that goes into Gollum, how they made Gollum and how yeah, Gollum came to be and like you could do a whole two-hour documentary on Gollum, probably that's all i like. wanted <laughs> um, yeah when i put in the two towers i was like i'm just gonna watch this one first because i need this to like be able to get through it <laughs> yeah yeah um so that one was really cool it was really interesting to see how they they started with a model that didn't look anything like andy circus um and you actually see that in fellowship of the ring and and you know shrouded in darkness that's if you look at what their original design for Gollum was you can tell that the the eyes you see peeking through the ladder belong to that model and not the one that we eventually got um which is kind of weird because you still hear him shout shire baggins meaning andy circus would have been on board at some point before they premiered um fellowship but uh then yeah andy circus came on board fully and basically they worked out through um just how much emotion andy circus was putting into the performance that they needed to base Gollum's face off circuses so that they could you know replicate the the facial expressions and through all that they kind of accidentally invented motion capture (laughs) which is amazing and it's talked about in this documentary like this fun new thing they discovered and it's like now this is like you know the industry standard for for this kind of thing so that was really cool um what did you think of of that one i also enjoyed that one Mm. another one that i really liked was the um 
it's i think it's the first one on the second disc of fellowship um and it's just all the actors talking about how much they like each other yeah <laughs> <laughs> like because it, it's it's them t- telling the stories of like how they met and because how important it is for them to get along especially the four hobbits mm. um and they're all very much like it's just them talking about like how great they are to work with and mm. there's like the real funny one is um uh billy boyd and orlando bloom like meeting at the airport and because they're like oh by the way billy like you're gonna meet this guy Orlando. He's flying to New Zealand as well. And it was like Billy's birthday, and mm. so they like had all the champagne on the plane. And they had to stop over in LA, which meant they crossed over the dateline. And then so they had all the champagne again because it was his birthday <laughs> again. And then they like showed up in New Zealand, just like absolutely pissed. Yeah, that's what I mean, man. Like every aspect of imagine being an actor on Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you. Oh my god, it would have been like one of the most enriching, fulfilling experiences of your life, mm. you know? And it's funny watching someone like Viggo Mortensen, who's very soft-spoken, but then you He's see so him... dry, eh? Yeah, you see him, like, with a sense of humour. A very interesting guy, especially after seeing, like, Green Book and mm. seeing, like, how much of a chameleon he can be acting-wise. Mm. It's, like, it's funny to see him in real life because he, he talks like this and it's very yeah. quiet. I imagine they would have to boost the audio quite a bit. Uh, yeah, because I can't hear you right now. <laughs> there you go, and he like, and he does this while making like slightly dated gay jokes. <laughs> like, there's a lot of them, and that's between the hobbits and Vigo because Vigo would like, like, there's one part where Dominic Monaghan is like, um, he's talking about how Vigo got real close to a woman who was playing one of the writers of Rohan, but she had a beard because like they gave her a fake beard because she had to be a man in the story, mm. and like. Dominic Monaghan's talking all about Harry Guy. He got very, very close to him. He's, he's like, you know, implying stuff. Yeah. And then it and comes then to goes like, um, I can neither confirm nor deny uh, <laughs> what Dominic might have said. <laughs> it's so great. It's like such yeah. a strange sense of humor because I think if I was to meet Vigo and hear him talk like that, I would assume he'd be someone I f- would think uh, he takes it very seriously and I shouldn't like yeah, joke around Yeah, and I think he with. does. Yeah, like, yeah. But there, there's a real funny one. There's the... um. The where they talk about their scale doubles. Mm. So in each film, oh, they have no. like, <laughs> yeah. Um, each Hobbit has to have a person that like plays them, who's in, actually in wide the right height against you know the the yeah. men and stuff like that. And um, so they're all like, uh, so there's like this Indian dude called uh, I can't remember, but there's like this guy Kieran, and they're like four foot tall kind of thing. But they all like talk about this this Indian dude Kieran, who's like tiny, but he would just boss around Vigo. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so like good. yeah, Vigo like caught a fish for everyone, and then he was like, this guy was like screaming at Vigo for not cooking it right, <laughs> and he's like terrified of him. And it's so funny. And there's one where there's a clip you see from one of the battles, I think on the third disc, where it's I think it's Kieran, but he's got like white face on because it's a wide shot, so you have to see him with white skin and not his his um dark mm. skin and he's like he looks up at the camera and he's like one of the warriors hit me so they're gonna give me a kiss now and this like lady like gives him a kiss on the cheek and like yeah. again like everyone and i know it's it's edited this way but everyone either looks like they're having the time of their life or they're like having a profound emotional experience yeah you know there's there's never anyone like that's just like oh yeah this is just the job <laughs> it's like true um and that same um one where he talks to me he's like they have to give me a kiss now they're talking about it beforehand and it's either peter or vega i can't remember but they're like um talking about how the scale doubles are like there so there's like you know a hundred horses 
galloping through and the scale doubles are on them and he's like and they could fall off and no one would know they're there and he's like in tears laughing at the thought of these people getting like trampled it's so it's so funny it's so inappropriate um i also really liked one of the random ones that i really liked was the there's one on the third disc about horses about all the horses they work with and i was like it's just a wonderful little um featurette of like just you learn like vigo like just really bonded with his horse and he's talking about his horse and how it was his best friend he'd made in new zealand and stuff and it's like man that would have been so intense and because vigo another interesting little bit of trivia is vigo yeah. was brought on last minute because they had to recast aragon and his horse was as well apparently so like he had mm. that kinship with him of being like isn't that but that's insane as well actually now that i think about it that vigo was brought on last minute because he's the the face the of Lord one. of the Rings, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's pretty in, insane that how, like, last minute it, it all ended up with, with some stuff like that. And it, what I found real interesting was the parallels to things in The Hobbit, the Hobbit trilogy, which when they happened in The Hobbit trilogy were, like, bad omens. But when they happened mm. in The Lord of the Rings trilogy, it was, like, the seedier pants, flying from the seedier pants, like, run and gun filmmaking style you know yeah because peter at the end of it describes it as like the world's largest home movie yeah exactly and it's like it's there are there are like really really similar things happen on both sets both both final films were like rushed to production and like had to like they had to rush to shoot stuff that was still happening on the final day you know stuff you know it's, it's all over the place but one of the things that i thought was real um a really interesting parallel was that one of the things we complained about in the Hobbit trilogy was that they take the big boss that is Smaug and kill him in the opening scene of the third movie. (laughs) And they, without really making this parallel before till I watched these documentaries, they did the exact same thing with Saruman. Mm. And And not even in the um, theatrical cut. Yeah, it was in the extended cut. And they talk about how it was supposed to be the end of the second film, but then they felt like it was anticlimactic after Helm's Deep and then put it at the start of the third film and how they felt like that fixed something. But if if I could just um, point out a small blemish, I disagree. I think the death of Saruman should have been cut down and put at the <laughs> end of Two Towers. Because to me, um, Two Towers... So the, the if if... The fellowship sets up that these these two bad guys working together, Sauron and Saruman, and the more powerful one is Sauron. Then the second film should be about defeating the first boss, and the the third film should be about defeating the final boss. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So to me, I think Saruman's death should have been at the end of the two towers because that's like that movie's, you know, won won the won the battle but haven't won the war yet kind of moment. Mm. Do you know, until you mentioned it just then, I completely forgot that we watched The Hobbit. What's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like they sh- they definitely shouldn't have had been that extended talky scene. They should have it should have just showed him like falling off um, the Isengard Tower at the end of um, Two Towers or something small that just says like, "Yep, we've we've knocked one, you mm. know, of the big bad guys off their perch." But, um, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, speaking of um, Christopher Lee, though, there was a, I think it's in the in the first one, there's a bit of them, like, directing uh, the, a conversation between Ian McKellen and Christopher Lee. And it's like, fuck, imagine that. Like, mm. imagine directing those two actors, just, like, how much 
even just like like watching like you know a 30 second clip of them being direct just how much they give back yeah yeah and like oh my god that would just be like so magical mm. to be a part to control oh my god and because people often talk about how the film is perfectly cast mm. um and i think that's really interesting because watching them act is like, like someone like um someone like ian holm right where it's like of course this is a veteran like this is a dude who you know mm. would be very because he, he talks about how he would give a different flavor of performance each take just so that peter is something to work with which is uh, like real subtle and would be real fun to play with and edit right but then someone like um sean astin who does who's got like the most american accent you can get but he's got like this perfect country england accent for sam that he just switches back into and like that's a small you know accents are kind of i guess acting 101 but a lot of actors can't do accents but like Mm. all these american actors doing great you know english-ish accents for their characters is like a really nice touch and something that i don't think the films would be the same if like elijah wood couldn't do couldn't switch to that voice you know because he was like 19 when they shot these Mm. so he's not he wasn't like a veteran in that sense you know yeah and um like orlando bloom was cast a week before he finished acting school (laughs) (laughs) there Um, you go that's why he barely talks in the whole <laughs> trilogy. <laughs> uh, one of the thing that was really cool, and then I've got something I want to talk to you about um, as well, is that how they talk about in the first one how they hired uh, Alan Lee and John Howe. Because mm. um, like, th- these guys are like responsible for yeah. what you picture when you think of Middle Earth. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like, Tolkien oh. historians who had yeah. painted picture after picture for 45 years of the images from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and then they just they like wrote him a letter because alan lee was is like notoriously a bit of a recluse mm. but they managed to like get his address and yeah and wrote him a letter. An oscar winner <laughs> yeah um alan lee was like my favorite character and he's, he's so great he's, he's, so, he's so sweet he's such a charming very passionate quiet man and I, every time he was on screen and he's got one of those voices that's very um it's almost clicky like it's kind of it's a little bit wet, which it would be, sound bad, like yeah. if he was doing a podcast. But just like watching interviews of, it and he's just so chuffed, and he's like, "It's very great to be yeah. working on, the, on this kind of thing." <laughs> it's like, oh, he's such a sweet man. <laughs> that uh, brings me to well, very nicely to my next point, which was: so, what did you think of everyone? <laughs> like, because it, it was very interesting seeing my sort of opinions of people. Mm change and morph and and things like that because it feels like it does feel like elijah wood uh billy boy dominic monaghan all got along really well and were like you know with the boys and they were the ones and then sean Aston feels like like it kind of seems like he thinks he was sort of above them i didn't i didn't get that at all no really i i, I thought like sean Aston seemed to be taking it more seriously and not in a good way. I think it was a element of him doing um, method acting because they talk about that at one point yeah. that like he basically made himself uh, Elijah Wood's carer um, because mm. Sam is Frodo's carer. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's def- definitely probably part of it. I think I think because Sean Aston was the only married one. I think of the four as well. So he's got yeah. like a family and stuff that he's trying to take care of. So like, like there's a big scene where he has to kiss his on-screen wife at the end of Return of the King, and how awkward it felt, and how he's like, "Don't, don't tell, don't tell Christine," or you know, mm. "We'll tell Christine we only did one take." Um, 
So yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely don't think I my opinions necessarily changed too much on people, but I would say about Peter Jackson specifically, man, what a daddy. What a, what a like, what a, it, it is no wonder you and me, the types of people we are, the way we, you and me look, that like we've joked before about how every New Zealand dude who's into film looks a little bit like Peter Jackson, you know? <laughs> and this is like, I don't know if it's because of Peter Jackson. We certainly didn't style ourselves based off Peter Jackson. I, I used to tell people that I look like Peter Jackson because this is what you look like when you care more about movies than your own appearance. But <laughs> like, it is just, it is, that's part of what's so inspiring about it is to watch this like fat dude in shorts and jandals potter about this like massive <laughs> empire he's built just you know commanding things and everyone loves him and it's like what an inspiration man this is the <laughs> this is the best thing that a chubby nerd has ever achieved <laughs> you know, but like, then he got real thin yeah and yeah betrayed us yeah and then he got fat again yeah Yay! <laughs> now, he, now <laughs> no one likes what he's making anymore so uh. <laughs> and now's what now no one likes what he's making anymore. So, uh, yeah, uh, although he made a documentary that people seem to really like, haven't yeah. seen that yet. And he's making another one that people are excited for. So, uh, mm. how do you do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, anyone else you wanted to to talk about? What I thought um, we've talked about Andy Circus a bit and how he seems these days. He seems kind of desperate. But mm. this is like I think these documentaries are the best time to see Andy Circus. Yeah, man. He's so. Uh, like watching him as well when they talk about like casting him and how they were like because he went in for a basically a vocal audition mm. um voice only and then just how he does the character and it's mm. like uh he does seem like a good time yeah the the, fa- the way his face screws up when he's like playing Gollum people were like he has to be on set he has to that's how it all yeah. kind of started but like there's there's a part I really liked in one of the last ones where uh, they had to get him reacting to Frodo telling him that he was about to destroy the ring right after, right before she lobs Leia, I think. And um, and they film it in Peter Jackson's house so that they have a have a um familiar like thing a for the, yeah. the animators to have a reference here. And good lord, he's such a diehard man! Like he mm. he just he's on a carpet. And he just and he talks about it in the documentary. He's like, it's so typical of Lord of the Rings that one minute you're on Ruapehu, like rumbling around in rocks, and then the next minute you're on Peter Jackson's carpet. And he gives this beautiful <laughs> performance with like half an hour of prep time of like the face of an addict realizing that their drugs are going to be destroyed. <laughs> and it's yeah. so beautiful. And I was like, this is before Andy Circus wasn't getting enough work before that he, he was in 30 and going on 30 yeah yeah this is like andy circus got his big break and it's it's very inspirational and very cool to see him just be like mm. one of the one of the guys and like enjoying his job and, and doing the best job he can do yeah uh another thing i want to say about his uh what's it called uh, 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 the like the, the the image we have of each person kind of thing mm. but i love um at the end of the at the end of the last documentary, um, Vigo Mortensen thanks the guy interviewing him. Yeah. And then he thanks us. Yeah. And he <laughs> says, uh, to, to all the Kiwis out there, Kiora. Yeah. And it's like, oh, Vigo. I love Vigo now after watching yeah, this. He's like such a good dude. Um, 
Another another moment that I I loved, and uh, it was the last documentary I think of the last one. But he talked. Um, so the world premiere for each film was or for the first two films was in London, mm-hmm. and then they had a Wellington premiere, which not everyone could come to. And but it was like still quite cool that it's you know it's in Wellington. Um, but th- there was like always they had to have the world premiere in London. But at the premiere of the two ta- the Wellington premiere of the two towers. Uh, Peter Jackson brought the New Line executive on stage, hadn't told him anything, and then is like, oh, we've got so-and-so here from New Line who's here to announce where the world premiere (laughs) of Return of the King's going to be. And the guy's like, Wellington, New Zealand, (laughs) because he like can't not say that. And then they just, they have a year to work out to like, (laughs) it's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you find any elements of tragedy considering The Hobbit while watching how happy people were before they before The Hobbit, like, left the hole it left? Yeah. You know, there's so many parts where it's like, oh, this is so sad now. But, yeah. like, so many times when Peter Jackson puts his foot in his mouth, like, now that we're watching it at this time. Like, yeah. I put I put a, something on my, my personal Instagram story of it, of, like, this clip of Peter Jackson going, like, man, it's it's no wonder no one's even shot three films of this magnitude at the same time before. It's, it's, quite, a, it's quite a tough job, and I, I certainly won't be doing it again. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> cut to The Hobbit with... It's so, it's so, like, ah, what? Why did you succinctly say that? Like, why did you put your foot in your mouth? You like signposted a tragic, a tragic yeah. moment to happen now. But t- to be fair, he clearly didn't want to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, that is true. Yeah, poor guy. One thing I one thing I want to talk about is the writing process because um, oh, I have here a, we go. I have a mess. Next, you're gonna want to talk on. about the editing, aren't you? Uh, yeah, the ed- editing was cool. I don't know if I have too much to say about it, but the, <laughs> the writing was cool. Um, Philippa Boyens, who's one of the three writers, um, first of all, massive crush on her. Now, I thought she was such a such a smart and and awesome like lady that I was just like, man, you are so like they they. She had to write a prologue for the, that goes at the start of Fellowship, and it went from being like this massive thing to just she just scaled it down in like one night to something that's. Absolutely absolutely like good enough for the, the start of the film you know should um, we get her on the podcast i would love to get philippa boyens on the podcast um her most recent work includes immortal engines <laughs> um <laughs> but the the um thing that i thought was real interesting at a few times they talk about the stuff that are in the books that they didn't include in the movie and mm. i thought that was real interesting because they are just shy they get just shy of saying this wasn't very good <laughs> this part that Tolkien wrote wasn't very good. Yeah. Like one of the greatest, you know, high fantasy writers of all time. This part was pretty stupid. <laughs> like the, they did, like they talk about like how yeah. they had to rejig Faramir's character so that he was interesting. They had to remove a huge section from the end of Return of the King called the Scouring of the Shire, where Saruman, who didn't die originally in the book, returns to the Shire and burns it down. And they talk about how oh, like it felt like this was where it needed to end, and it's like. No, what it is is that that sounds fucking stupid and anticlimactic <laughs> to have that be in the book. I'm so glad they didn't do that in the movie. You know, like there are a few other moments where I was like, "You are towing the line of saying." I thought Tolkien was an idiot for writing this part. It clearly betrays the character and all the 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 you know moments in the story, and it's it's real funny to watch them not say that. I guess, but 
infer that, you know? Mm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so, what didn't you? What ones didn't you like? Um, I personally wasn't very interested in the, um, uh, the the Tolkien history ones that yeah. were in everything. Yeah, I don't think you needed three of them. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, like 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 a feature length one on the first one would have been cool, mm. but it's like, oh, cool, and then he was friends with C.S. Lewis again. <laughs> And he had they got all those historians. They're like, and he had a very peculiar way of thinking about blah blah blah. And it's like, shut up! I don't yeah. care. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it does. Like, I, I, it feels kind of sad to like devote your life to studying another person's life, like another single person's life. You know, right? I don't know if I'd and say to it's like, too sad. Huh? I th- I don't know if it's too sad. I think it depends who the person is, maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it, it, for me, it feels sad. Right. I mean, I'm sure, you know, these people are perfectly fulfilled. But, yeah, it just something about, like, yeah, the, the amount of, I mean, I, I would love people to study me like that. Mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't want to be studying mm. Tolkien. Old, old Tolks. Yeah, the so, Tolkien, the Tolkien what else was there? What else was there? Oh, there's so much, and we needed to take notes, but we don't, and I'm, like, out of all my mental talking points, I think. There. Um, I'm oh, trying to God. think of other things I didn't like. There were things like um, like ones on Foley or sound design that I probably wouldn't have wanted to watch, but when I watched them, mm. I was like, this is so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Foley is, yeah. one especially, I was like, good Lord, man. Like, can you imagine that the the world needs a movie about a foley artist because it's mm. such an intriguing job so if, if you don't know well you probably i don't know how how niche is foley as edit as a term people will yeah. know what foley is uh yeah we don't need to explain it <laughs> it's like <laughs> no, the sound go, go the sounds it. things make it's like lip syncing yeah. but for footsteps and rocks yeah, so it's like, um, but there's there's quite a lot because obviously with this you're talking about fantastical creatures and stuff like that, mm. and so there's a really interesting one where they talk about the mama kill, yeah, yeah, which is the, the, giant, the giant, elephant. the giant elephants, and they're like they can't make elephant noises because when they fall over and get killed, people will go, oh, the poor elephant. Yeah. So the sound they used is a horse orgasming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, so this guy had to like. Get her there with a little microphone and sound recorder as they like extracted semen from a horse, mm. yeah. And then it's like slowed down and, and you know, yeah, and yeah. What, it's pitch shifted and whatnot. But it's it's so funny that that's like, yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite sounds they got was the sound of um giant two ton rocks being slingshotted across Gondor into, <laughs> yeah, into the yeah. monsters. And the way they did that is they got these big concrete slabs and held them up on cranes and just dropped them and they buried microphones in the ground so that they could get like, what does it sound like from this angle? And I was like, Oh yeah. my god, we we're new line, where are you getting the money to pay? <laughs> There's another thing, like because you yeah. no one would have done Maybe people would have done stuff for free, but certainly not the majority of these jobs people wouldn't have done for free. And so it's like (laughs) someone got paid to rent a crane, someone who knows how to operate it, someone who knows how to like safe, like, you know, manage it safely. And it's like all that alone is like the amount of dollars that would have had to tick up every single day on this thing just astounds me. Even like the craft services. Yeah. (laughs) But there should have been one about the craft. Yeah, there should services. Have been. Mm. That was what that was the only one that was missing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 
<laughs> it's so funny. That, yeah, they're talking about like, oh, so what should like these two tone rocks sound like? And then someone's just like, why don't you just go drop a bunch of two tone rocks? <laughs> and it's like, ding. <laughs> Cut to. <laughs> yeah. Um. What else should we talk about? Who's the guy from from Weta? Uh, Richard Taylor. Richard Taylor is always on. <laughs> he talks like he's reciting. I don't, yeah. don't want to make fun of Richard the man Taylor too impression? much, but like it's real interesting to have him. He doesn't talk like how we're talking. He talks like how he's. It's almost like he's reading these lines off a teleprompter in front of him. But he's not very good at doing a cold read. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's also not reading anything, right? You yeah. know, it's like this is just how he talks. Very strange, but like, get on him. Like he is one of the yeah, integral parts. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah, very, very funny way. Of, funny to hear a man talk like that. Um, trying to think. Okay, I just don't want to stop recording and be like, I watch twelve-hour documentaries just to talk. Yeah, about- I don't want to stop recording until we've recorded twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um, but I, I do want to say, so there's like the last one, um, or like it's not even the last one, but when the the cameras and the last cameras in Middle Earth, it's like it's eighty minutes long almost, mm. and it's and it goes through like everyone's last day on set, and it's very emotional. But you know how like everyone's like, oh, it's it's with this, it's been six years of my life. Like my kids have grown up, and and it's mm. finally coming to a close. I kind of had the same feeling finishing these documentaries yeah. no, <laughs> did you get that as well, well and, that and like, lord of the rings as a whole like we've been doing this for you know over a month now like yeah. lord of the rings content God, yeah february is just that month i cared about lord of the yeah. rings <laughs> and i'm so glad i mean it seeped into march but i'm so glad to like close that door um no it is ve- i nearly cried at several points during the the final documentaries because it was just like this is so beautiful this is so happy. Like the part that that made, that just left me stunned was the last shot they filmed for principal photography when they film uh, Frodo saying something, and Peter just keeps asking for another take and asking for another take, mm. and they just keep doing another take, and then he's like, "All right, check the gate," and he goes and 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 talks to Elijah Wood, and he hugs him, and Elijah, the camera's right up in their face, which is kind of intrusive and is very intimate, and he goes, mm. "This has been so amazing, Peter." This has been so amazing. And it's like, oh, fuck, it would be so amazing, dude. It and, would um, be the most- Yeah, and, and Elijah's talking about it. He's like, he just came up to me and he was crying and he just kept on saying thank you. Yeah. And so you see Pete there being like, thank you. <laughs> so I'm thank really you. crying. I've actually got tears in my eyes now talking about <laughs> it because it's so beautiful, man. It's like I have had more of an emotional experience watching these BTS documentaries than any other like content we've done for Cold Pop Show. Like, it's so beautiful to watch them. Um, with well, the- do you know why it hurts so much? Why? It's because it was real. Oh. Oh, it's just, it's so beautiful. Mm. And they talk about it with such, um, like, everyone just understood they were doing something so important. And, like, there was kind of one one that made me, like, go, hmm, which is one of the last documentaries where one guy's like, yeah, we started this when, like, uh, three weeks after my, my son was born and now he's, now he's about seven. I missed him grow up. And I was like, it was a weird decision to put that in the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of a ve- a very tragic thing. I don't know if it was if it was <laughs> worth doing it for that. Um, but other than stuff like that, like oh my god, and the the prosthetics, the like just listing off all the departments now. Um, 
Actually, when they won the, the Oscar, when they won all the Oscars, they talked about how they were worried that someone would have missed they one department, yeah, yeah. but, but um, they didn't win uh, cinematography. So yeah, they weren't nominated. So oh, that's interesting. They won every award they were nominated for, right? On Return of the King, they won cinematography for Fellowship. Yeah, though. yeah. I wonder why they weren't nominated for, for cinematography for, for Return of the King. Should we see what was nominated that year? Yeah, and what won? And we'll be like, oh, okay. Oh, of course. Uh, so... 2004. Uh, I think you'll find it's 2003. Yeah, but the uh, ceremony took place in 2004. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So uh Master Commander Far Side of the World One, City of God, Cold Mountain, Girl with a Pearl Earring, and Sea Biscuit. See, you'd Master and Commander, I don't know. Is that a particularly good looking film? Apparently, because it's got Billy Boyd in it. I guess, I guess, like the the thing that I'm thinking of, I guess, is like it's, um, <laughs> it almost feels intentional. Like, oh, they've already won cinematography before. Let's, you know, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. It just, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was interesting. They talked about like everyone was so like one of these awards, and they were like, but like everyone there would have traded their award in so that Pete could win mm. best director. Yeah, man. Imagine if he didn't win, fuck. Uh, I think after a while, it's it was a pretty safe bet. Is yeah. that, that's that's an amazing, that's such a good Oscars story. Why couldn't that have happened this year? <laughs> like mm. something something deserving winning everything, you know. Black Panther? Yeah, yeah, Black Panther. <laughs> uh, yeah, instead we got another Viggo Mortensen film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What, one th- another thing that I thought was amazing um was the it's called massive it's the artificial intelligence software they use to program the battle scenes and i this technology is amazing and they they had it in 2000 like yeah they managed that like seeing the shit they edited on and stuff like that it's so low quality like so if you don't massive was basically a thing where you design the models for like maybe five or six different types of body and then you just like randomize it till there's you know 300,000 of them and mm. then they program them so they give them a directive like kill this kill this or kill this and then you just hit go and they just do it themselves so when you look at those battles and you see all those like those soldiers running like in the wide shots those are actually like just artificially intelligent things that are behaving very humanistic mm. And and so the, the, the personalities are like randomly generated as well. Mm. And so they accidentally made a few of them like cowards. Yeah. So in the back they just had these ones running away from the fight. Yeah. Because I think because <laughs> systematically they worked out there was there was more of a chance of uh victory to run the opposite way, which is like a, a computer's way of, of explaining cowardice. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, man, I was just yeah, I think yeah. So much of this is amazing. I'd just say go go watch it if you've never seen them before. Maybe don't watch them in such a 
tight time frame as we did. Mm, just watch the cameras in the middle of the Yeah, the ones. cameras in the middle of the ones are different. And, and the Golem one. I'd say those are the best ones. Um, yeah, and the the um, the premiere ones are quite cool mm. because they're, they're only like 10 minutes long. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> that's, that's that then, is it? It's been so amazing, Richard. <laughs> oh, thank you. This has been thank the you. most amazing experience. What an emotional... Like, let's let's make a film, dude. Announcing it on Patreon. Let's make a film. Okay. Cut, check back this time next month where we will have made a film. Imagine giving the, getting given the keys to something like this. What a... Mm. Oh. I mean, I'm in the middle of making a um, episode, a TV episode. Yeah. But it's fucking doing my head in. <laughs> is it the Lord of the Rings of TV episodes? It is. It is. Um, cool. Any any final observations you want to make? Um, oh, there was one thing that I almost brought up earlier, but it was just interesting. Talk about the scale doubles and how John Reese davies is like the same relative height to the guys playing the hobbits as like a dwarf should be to a hobbit. Mm. So instead of having to film like the hobbits in front of a green screen and then him in front of a green screen and then a pass of the act, the other actors, they can film them at the same time. I thought it was quite interesting and funny how that worked mm. out. You do feel for John Reese davies Yes, he sounds like he had hell. This whole yeah, time. but there was like the last interview with him because he, he's, he's got such a proper way of speaking and he does, it's, it's his last interview, he lets out like one guffaw that's like very gimly. <laughs> He's just like, oh. <laughs> um, so The last observation I'll make is like, this helped me a lot to understand um, a lot of certain creatures or geography that are, like I didn't know that Urukai and Orcs were different until watching this. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like, watching these, I was like, like there were some bits I was like I straight up do not remember yeah. this at all. Or there, there's like a scene with like old Aragorn and Arwen, and I was like, when is this? <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, yeah. The it, it made me want to love these movies, and maybe what like mm. there were points where I was like, fuck, I I can't wait to just put these on again. And I was like, wait, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> just watch them. Um. Yeah, yeah, but another one was like I thought Gondor was like the name of the city, but the city called Minas Tirith. <laughs> Gondor's <laughs> like the realm. Like if you'd asked me, like where does where does you know where is the steward of Gondor? I'd be like Gondor, but it's not the whole place <laughs> called Minas Tirith. And there's also Minas Mor- Mordoth or something, which is the where a lot of the series will apparently take place, and that's what it's called, Minas Mor Mor. Cool, cool. Okay, look, I don't know. I guess that's it. Yeah. I hope you half dozen people enjoyed listening to this. Mm. Uh, we, next month, we're going to be doing the Shrek short films. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that'll be the next film franchise follow-ups. Have we? This we've month. Sw- yeah, yeah, we've switched. Um, the, we've switched the timelines for it. So this this has taken the spot that generic movie podcast usually takes. Right, the end of month one, yeah. So now, yeah, yeah, yeah. now it'll be GMP in the middle of the month, and yeah. Phil Fritch's follow until another one makes it take too long, and we have to switch. <laughs> yeah, we get it. We get a generic movie podcast that takes us too long. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your donations. Um, we haven't done a yeah, shout donations out donations are very nice. Shall, <laughs> <laughs> shall we do? I'll, I'll shout out all our um, 
ten dollar patrons. Yeah. No, they're five dollar patrons for this, aren't they? Um, oh shit. Um, oh shit! They've changed the. They've suddenly changed the layout of Patreon. <laughs> like it's just happened. <laughs> um, patrons, okay. Um, um, no, relationship manager. Ah, oh, it's. It doesn't. Patreon for those who don't use it. All right, John Peter, John Peter. Patreon is so weird. The place you go to like message everyone is not the same as messages, and you can't find out who's like part of like. It, t- it tells me to put filters here, but it's like there's no filters available. Um, I'll 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 list if you like. Just, just uh, out so. Thank you very much to Alexander McDonald, Alice Ward, Ben Close, Brent Taylor, Brown and McZant. Uh, Craig Major, David Draper, Emily Munn, Holly Frankham, uh, Josiah Langan, Kate Pickworth-Smith, Karen Bennett, Michael Baston, Michael Griffin, Sam Page, Sarah Valling, and Tyler Braley. There it is. There it is. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Please tell your friends. Thanks, guys. Bye. Very nice. My wife. Hello, everybody from Patreon, and um, no, that's it. It's just Patreon. Yeah. All right, that was it. All that's right. our introduction. Thanks for listening. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> um, this is generic underscore movie underscore podcast dot exe, um, where we watch a movie that you voted on. Um, and then we discuss it. We've done Josie and the Pussycats. We've done Fat Girls, and oh, in the- yeah, we've done lots of Fat Girls. <laughs> <laughs> and then what is like? There's no trend to this. There's no, you know, we there's no narrative to the order of movies we're doing or what people are voting on because today we're going to be discussing the Shawshank Redemption, which. Like, all three movies we've done for GMP so far couldn't be in, in like, more separate, different categories, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this is our first male lead, though. Oh, that's cool. I like having, you know, men be in the minority for a change. Yeah, I, I like having myself represented on screen. <laughs> um, This does make up for it, though, by being overwhelmingly male are there any there's like uh there's one female appears on screen um (laughs) and she has no dialogue and she's cheating on her husband (laughs) (laughs) that makes it like if if this movie wasn't set in a prison that would be worse i think no actually there is there's another lady um when he goes to the bank at the end oh yes yep you're right she's got lines (laughs) yep and um rita hayworth True. So if if you don't, so it's, a, know, it's a very feminist film, actually. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about uh, the Shawshank Redemption, which came out in 1994, uh, written and directed by Frank Darabont, and based on the 1982 Stephen King novella Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. So just and I thought it was and the Shawshank. Redemption. Is it actually just and Shawshank? Let's go back to Wikipedia. <laughs> um. I thought it was and the Shawshank Redemption. Let me see. Um, no, it's just and Sh- Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. That's bl- that, blowing my <laughs> mind right now, AJ. That recontextualizes how you're supposed to say this title to me. How do you, how do you say it now? Well, you, I used to think it was Rita Hayworth 
and the Shawshank Redemption. And now it's like Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> like, like it used to be like, like um, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And now it's like Harry Potter and Chamber of Secrets. Like the, it's like a list of different things in the characters' lives as opposed to like yeah. focusing on Rita Hayworth and her adventures with the Shawshank Redemption, which the story doesn't anyway. <laughs> the attack of Rita Hayworth and the revenge mm. of Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> the re- you could have just said the redemption of Shawshank. Um, is the Shawshank Redemption the most- um, Dumb uh, title. No, is it the is it the most uh, nuanced spoiler in the title of a movie ever? You know, you've got like the Return of the King, where, where it's like, well, that kind of or blows Lone away Survivor. the ending. Yeah, yeah, or Lone Survivor. Shawshank Redemption does kind of spoil what happens, but um, mm. well, like so, so the so, DVD cover spoils it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's got them dancing in the rain, doesn't it? Mm. Um, all right, well. Shawshank Redemption has um, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, widely considered to be one of, if not the best movies ever made, or at least when I came to learn about it, that was how it was told to me. Um, it, you know, critical response is pretty good. <laughs> Slash yeah. amazing. Um, the, and it was nominated for seven Academy Awards in 1995, which is the most for a Stephen King adaptation uh it was nominated for best picture best actor best adapted screenplay best cinematography best editing best sound mixing and best original score uh it did not win any of them what won in 1995 uh forrest gump oh yeah (laughs) all right no i don't know i'm i'm saying i'm saying shawshank's better than forrest gump i'm putting it out there four weddings and a funeral was nominated for best picture Oh my gosh, have you have you seen it? <laughs> no, I haven't actually seen it. I've never seen it's it. It's real. It's real. It's real problematic. Right. It's, it's one of those movies. But look, it's man. It's disappointing that this slipped through the cracks of every award it was nominated for. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of um, endearing in a way, though, isn't it? Like you know, right. Citizen Kane didn't win Best Picture. Hmm. Out of the best, so best pictures were Forrest Gump, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Pop Fiction, Quiz Show, and The Shawshank Redemption. I've never heard of Quiz Show. Um, yeah, it was a good year. Yeah, it was, and you know, I think it deserved it over Forrest Gump, and I think it's more wholesome than Pop Fiction, so it mm. makes me more inclined to want to give it to that. Um, look, if do we want to do a plot? A plot recap if people haven't seen it yeah let's do it all right what's shawshank Redemption right. about richard so andy dufresne is um sentenced to two life sentences at shawshank prison for supposedly murdering his wife and her master mistress <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> her lover not mistress but yeah her lover um and so yeah, he he ends up going to jail prison for it. It's we'll we'll talk about it in a bit, but about whether or not he actually did it because it's it's made out that he didn't do it. But there are subtle hints if you're looking for it that maybe he did. Um, and while in prison, he meets Red, who is Morgan, played by Morgan Freeman, who narrates the film, and essentially using his wits, Andy is able to sort of get in good with some of the guards 
and he ends up like doing their doing their taxes and stuff like that because he's a banker and uh yeah eventually things turn out pretty bad at old Shawshank prison and spoiler alert Andy manages to break out mm. I really like the Shawshank redemption because um if you don't know this about me, my day job is I'm a freelancer and just watching Andy hustle, I'm like, hell yeah, dude, you're networking. <laughs> like, he, like, you know, puts himself out there, makes friends with the prisoners, makes friends with the guards and, like, is able to make quite a little, uh, quite a nice little nest for himself at the end, you know? So, yeah. you know what else? Andy what? would be so good on the chase. If he went on the chase- yeah, uh, he'd fuck yeah. He'd yeah, he'd, he'd he'd go for the high offer and he'd take home the money, I reckon. Yeah. Nah, yeah, he mm. would. He totally would. <laughs> um so yeah, I what do we want to talk about, Richard? Because I when when this was voted on, which was one of something I suggested in the actual post on Patreon as a joke and then it actually won and I was like, well, that kind of de- defeats the purpose of, of mm. someone else choosing for us. <laughs> like when, when it won, I was like, ugh, I've seen the Shawshank Redemption 100 times, you know. I've seen it so many times. I don't know if I could be bothered watching it again and then I ended up having to watch it like at like 11 o'clock or like real late um, and I was real just regretting like and just being like, oh, this is going to be so long and like two minutes in, I was like, hell yes, strap me in. I <laughs> love this movie so much. Yeah, it's interesting because it's another one of those movies that's like so universally regarded as being one of the best that like a lot of people don't like in a way it kind of gets overlooked like or people don't really talk about it. Like mm. I, I do know people that are like, yeah, my favorite film was The Shawshank Redemption. But then yeah. like 90% of people just love it. But we'll never, like, talk about it. Yeah. And they've seen it, like, dozens of times, you know? Yeah, I I've no, I remember I was in a conversation a few years ago with some friends who were like, Shawshank Redemption's so overrated. Holes is way better, which is just a... <laughs> I don't know why, why you got to bring holes into it anyway. But, like, I actually defy anyone to, to watch this movie and not be, like, enthralled by it. Like, I can listen to a conversation that The Godfather is boring. You know, like yeah. I can understand that It's a Wonderful Life is too long. The Shawshank yeah. Redemption is captivating. It just from from the get go, it just pulls you in and you enjoy it for so many reasons. And it just and it's it, once it ends, you feel like immensely satisfied, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. I, and that's kind of the thing I want to I want to really get down into on this podcast is that like. It's so widely regarded as being, like, one of, if not the best films ever made. And Mm. yet, like, to me, and and maybe, you know, maybe it's different from person to person, but to me, there's no, like, one thing that really elevates it. It's kind of just flawless. Like, there's just nothing wrong with it. Right. And and maybe that is what makes the best film. Like, there's there's a lot of films that I consider my favourites, and I can point you to, like, you know a scene or an aspect of it that like makes it absolutely phenomenal but mm. like and i mean maybe shawshank but you know it's it's up for debate but maybe shawshank never quite reaches some of the the highest heights of another film but it never drops below like you know almost the maximum mm. was 1994 just when um film was perfected 
you know mm. it took them that long i'm not kidding like i actually mean that yeah like that that kind of feels like what you're saying is like because i mean look at the, the all the other movies that came out in 94 four weddings and a funeral perfect um no but like <laughs> you, you know what i mean like it's you're right there is nothing wrong with it and so does that mean it took how, how old is film how old was film by this point maybe like 100 years old 200 years old yeah no no it's like 90 something years old Right, so turn of the century. Well, when you talk about like feature films, it's that's you know they were very like yeah. turn of the century, like yeah, early yeah. early teens. So maybe it just took this much crafting before you get a film as timeless as Shawshank Redemption. You know, because if you watch old movies that are considered the best ever made, like a, a lot of the times. Um, they couldn't be made with that same with those same like tendencies nowadays like as i said before it's a wonderful life is so long it's so yeah. long and it's not even about what it's advertised as being about for a lot of it yeah you know and also i would say like um there's an interesting thing which is what we like one of the things we talked to david mickey evans about with the sandlot and what makes the sandlot so great is that not setting it in the time period it came out because it can never be dated like mm. you know or the, or the, any any kind of stereotypes you're already looking at it through like f- a 50 year long lens when it was made yeah yeah and so Absolutely. yeah like, you know you look back at like oh that's just how stories were told back then or you know like oh it's fine that um james bond rapes a lesbian into being straight because that's what was acceptable at the time but mm. you know you're already looking at it and and so it's never like anachronistic yeah no i agree um so i think maybe that's is that one of the the like the check boxes for a perfect film is that it's never going to be dated Maybe. Well, I think I think, and this is proof of that because it isn't dated, mm. and I think it's enough like old movies in its, um, it's enough like like movies from the forties in its plot, like its storyline, and it's enough like movies in twenty eighteen in its structure that it's like a perfect marriage of both of those. You know, yeah, it's right. it's just as emotionally. Um, redemptive as <laughs> something like Casablanca or um or uh wonderful life but it's it's plotted mm. just as well as you know whatever the best movie that came out in 2018 is yeah Pup searching <laughs> <laughs> just pick random ones Pup do you know what i mean talk. like it's, yeah. it's it's a perfect marriage of because if you if if you took like a layman and went back at back 50 years and said what do you think of this this is widely regarded as being the best movie ever they'd probably say it's too long or it's paced poorly and if you took someone from you know 50 years ago and showed them something today they'd be like oh it's i didn't like the story I, this is me just generalizing to the extreme but that's right, kind of yeah. what i what i sense is each each um, era's strong points were like plot versus structure and yeah. this is no yeah, yeah. That, that's that's interesting because what, what i think i kind of want to do on this podcast is like when we did what is the best song we mm-hmm. um kind of talked about like uh what, what should the best song be and then we you know throw out examples of songs that could fit into that and whereas i, I like this is almost like instead of what's the best movie it's like it's like a game of jeopardy where we've got the answer the best movie is the shawshank redemption so now i want to try and work out the question of like why is it the best movie yeah totally i would say 
um, beyond what we've just said, that it that it's an so it's, so what have we got so far? It's an inspirational story, and it's plotted and paced perfectly. I would say yeah, those. I two. think yeah, the inspirational thing because it's despite the fact that it has like gang rape and all these like quite quite you know heavy themes it's one of the most like immensely watchable films i've ever seen like Mm. and and i'd say probably what i'm talking about like watchability is that you never have to be in the mood for it i mean i wasn't in the mood for it last night and it was amazing (laughs) yeah but like you can just put it on and you'll always be captivated by it like Mm. you know you hear everyone say like Oh, I, I saw I turn on the TV and Shawshank was halfway through. Thought I'll watch five minutes of this and then just carried it through to the end of it. Totally. And yeah. I think that's that's such like a universal thing. Because I'd say like probably the other like most universally watchable film that I can think of would be Back to the Future. Mm. Yeah. And it's and I guess it's this it's a similar thing of like it's a feel good movie, but it also kind of uh dabbles in a few different genres if the entire history of cinema was the marvel cinematic universe shawshank is the avengers it's peak generic it's peak by the <laughs> books you know right yeah um i it's- like what you said how how you how you brought up that it has like really heavy stuff in it because i pulled out the dvd of this last night and saw it was r-rated and i was like what mm. <laughs> Isn't this like yeah. a PG film? What happens? With- and then it's like, all oh, right, there's like gang rape and like a scene where they talk about a blowjob, like a what you know, yeah. a, a a a sexual assaulting blowjob in it, you know. And I was like, oh yeah, this isn't. <laughs> but but like I saw, Short- I would have seen Shawshank for the first time when I was maybe thirteen, and mm. I remember I watched it with my dad. And watching, you know, when you watch like a movie with your parents and like a sex or sexual scene of some nature comes on, and it can be quite yeah, awkward. And your dad comes into the room and goes, "Oh, what are you watching?" Exactly. Um, with this, it was like I, maybe it's because it's a vi- it's violent in nature and it's like depicted incredibly unsexual, um, but it wasn't awkward. It was like it was gripping. It was scary. You know, like yeah. <laughs> There's a difference between, and also this is like a wider societal problem, and especially in America, but like, um, we're kind of desensitized to violence. We, we're shown that like violence is okay, but like titties and making love aren't. And mm-hmm. I actually, I wrote my like, um, my, my first year of broadcasting school, my like thesis or whatever you'd call it was about this. Um, mm-hmm. and that like, it's ridiculous because you know, most people in their lives, aren't going to witness a violent gang rape or like uh, in a prison or like someone being beaten to death. You're not going to witness that kind of thing in real life or someone being shot or stabbed or whatever. But, you know, you probably are going to see some breasts. Like yeah. most people in their life and, and like, you know, breeding and mating is like the most natural thing in the world. But murdering someone and and beating them senseless are these like unnatural things but that's what we're shown is not okay well the the counter argument that i've always felt to that was that you see someone you see someone get murdered on screen and you don't go yeah i'm gonna go murder someone whereas you see a sex scene on screen and it might uh coax you to 
seek out such carnal desires. Right. Um, okay. That's a that's a very. I imagine that's a very within the church kind of thing. Yeah. Ra- raised Christian view of yeah. it. Yeah. But I guess the other thing would be that like if you see someone get like filleted, that it's special effects. Whereas if you see some boobs, it's actually the actress's boobs. Yeah. It is the actress's boobs. Um. Yeah. So. All right. I so okay. Uh, famous quote: um, "The good film contains three good scenes and no bad ones." I, we can agree there are no bad scenes in the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Yeah. What What are the three good ones? Um, like what are the three defining good scenes? Yeah. Because again, it's like it's the same kind of thing of just they're kind of all good scenes but yeah <laughs> i would say like if you're making me pick three or were you trying to get me to just be like i can't pick three i wasn't trying i didn't have any agenda right okay because <laughs> together i think we could we could pick out the three i would say that like for me the and and again i'm, I'm not gonna overly explain this because i'm assuming that like everyone out there has seen the shawshank redemption um but there's andy uh, getting the beers for the boys on um, mm-hmm. on the roof, yeah, because that that's like the first introduction to like him being um, selfless, you know, selfless and, and like and it could kind of savvy as well. Um, and then obviously the ending, the his everything from basically like you better be sick or dead in there onwards, mm-hmm. um, yep. and Brooks's suicide. Yeah, man. No, that's uh, I agree. I think the this is this is cheesy and corny and it's like it's like someone being like um my favorite simpsons character is bart but like <laughs> that that scene of andy with his arms outstretched in the rain chills every, every time i i see that scene and that yeah. speaks to my soul and as you know as someone who's been a free man his entire life you get it even though you know i haven't been in prison for 19 years yeah like but i get it <laughs> Yeah, they were in prison for lo- like almost as long as we've been alive. Yeah, <laughs> and he has it doesn't age a day. <laughs> like, imagine if instead of starting primary school, they throw you in prison and you're just getting out now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, like that's such a great scene. That's why it's the poster for the film, which is yeah, like, yeah, ridiculous. yeah. And I think maybe that's like another thing about this film because. When I first saw it, um, I think my my parents had seen it and uh, my sister had just seen it and they were talking about it. And they were like, oh, Richard, you need to watch it. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, does it, do they get out of prison? And she and, and Emily Cleverly, who also suggested this film, was like, <laughs> oh, they, they kind of talk about, like, oh, wouldn't it be great? But, you know, no, it's not really about that. And so I watched it not knowing that at all. And, and it was like mm. this amazing, captivating, uplifting experience. But at the same time, I feel like it doesn't hinge on you not knowing that no for sure because the, it's called the short yeah, there are Redemption. movies that <laughs> yeah you you get um it has like diminishing returns and term and and the and the surprise factor and, and there are movies that people are like oh god i wish i could watch that again for the first time and i feel like shawshank's not really like that even though because it's not really a twist I, I does have a bit of a twist of like what he was doing the whole time but you're enjoyment of the film is not hampered at all by knowing how it ends and watching it over and over again for sure um and i think that would bring me to another um point about why what what box this checks into being the quintessential best movie ever is i really really like 
all the characters. Like, I like the bad guys. You know, like yeah, <laughs> I th- I, I yeah. love Red and Andy's relationship. One of one of the weirdly, I feel like I can I can say this is a unique something that's relatively unique to me. One of the lines that always sticks out to me. One of the lines I always remember watching this movie is after Andy's escaped and Red's narrating and he's talking about oh, some birds just aren't meant to be caged. Their feathers are just too bright. And he goes on this mm. big spiel and then there's a moment of silence and he goes, "I guess I just miss my friend." And I was yeah. like, yeah, man, I just, just, this movie's so pure and it's just about <laughs> friendship. Like, it's cool. It's not like a, it's cool. This, this is going to, I don't know what this is going to sound like, but it's not a romance. It's a yeah. bromance. And there's something special yeah. about a bromance. Yeah. You know? But it's also <laughs> like in the background, like it's, it's not about their friendship. I mean, no. I guess like it's the theme of the film or whatever, but it's not like the main plot in any way, but it's there. And it's mm. very beautiful, and like you can see it throughout each scene. Like he does take a liking to him pretty, pretty, um, you know, straight away. But then mm. it does develop in a very natural and yeah, and just beautiful way. It's a it's a relieving film because you don't watch Andy have to have to win favor with the prison mates. Like there's a little bit of like yeah. trepidation at the start, but there's no like, and that's the day that Andy proved himself to the prison mates. They yeah, always kind that, of like him from the start. Yeah, that's a thing that I mean, he does have like the moment of when they like absolutely fall in love with him, but yeah, um, yeah, that is a thing as well. Is that like I find a lot of movies that I like as well that it can often be frustrating watching the characters have to figure out something that you already know like it happens every time you watch a zombie movie it's like they're fucking zombies just like get on with the plot please yeah and this this movie doesn't have any moments like that you're not like oh come on can you just get to the bit with their friends because there is enough uh liking there to begin with that it then builds very naturally and i th- I guess that kind of leads me to my next point is that this film is like paced so perfectly mm-hmm Yep. That, that was the, I mean, I don't know. I thought you were going to build on that, but you know. What, we sort of already <laughs> talked about pacing, but I guess we can go more into it. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just foolishly put a piece of candy in my mouth, and, I, and as soon as I did it, oh, I was sorry. like, why did I do that? What, um, what kind of candy? Oh, Spaceman sticks. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, yeah, the film. Yeah, I mean, I guess we kind of have talked about it, but it never drags. Uh, there's there's no yeah. bit where you're like oh I hate this bit. Um, I mean mm. at least you know you yes, I mean there are bits that you would probably some people I can imagine would skip. Um, mm. But yeah, like well, it's just it's, it's just like a rise and fall flows. movie without a fall. <laughs> like it's just yeah. a it's a rise it's a rise movie where he just keeps rising until he finally achieves freedom. So it's not like a it's not a story of a guy who. Um, you know, comes into prison and he's a new fish, and then he he builds himself up till he's big dog, and then he like and you know his hubris yeah. gets the better of him. It's not a tragedy; it's just a real uplifting story. Yeah, and one thing as well that I was thinking about today about how, what makes this film so special in a way is that like ninety nine percent of the people that love this film have never seen it in a cinema. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, because totally. it, it it bombed on its on its original release, and then it and then the next year it was the most rented video of that year. Um, wow! But like, I remember my grandma 
I mean, I don't remember it because it was a year after I was born. But um, my grandma went to go see it in the cinema. And apparently for like months, she was like, every, like you know, telling my, my parents, like, you guys need to watch this film. And then eventually they're like, oh, yeah, like, let's check it out. And they, and they got it out from the video store and would, you know, fell in love with it as, as everyone has. But because there's so many great movies that people were just like, oh, seeing that for the first time in the cinema. Whereas like it, it's it's a rare it's a very rare thing to have seen Shawshank in a cinema. Like it, it's, mm. it's like a badge of honor in a way. Mm. And, and because, you know, like so any movie that's like popular people at the time saw it in the cinema and like, you know, you don't get people bragging that they, if they were alive at the time, you don't get people bragging. They saw Star Wars in the cinema because everyone did, but like Shawshank, yeah, yeah. it's like, holy shit. You actually just went to go see this random prison movie that no one else saw. Hmm. Yeah, man. No, I mean, I feel like it wouldn't um, have quite the impact. Or, mm. well, I feel like a film packaged that way wouldn't have quite the impact these days. Maybe it would in, like, Oscar season. But, you know, like, even the title feels a little bit um, too cheesy for today's standards, maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. So, do you, did you have anything else to, to bring up along these lines, or should we move on? Well, yeah, I should say, like... And maybe that's another thing about why it's one of the best movies of all time is that it, it's it's in a way it's not a very cinematic experience. Like it doesn't yeah. rely on that. Mm. I know what you mean. And, and I mean, I guess th- that could be a bad thing, but. Yeah, it's a movie in the purest sense that you can you can just chuck, as we're saying, you can just chuck it on and it's great. And that's, that's yeah. the point is you don't need to see it on a big screen. You don't even need to see it with people. I watched it in bed at two, you know, finished like two a.m. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that was a transformative experience." I, I've, yeah, as I say, I've seen this movie a hundred times or so, and watching it last night, I feel like I got more out of it than I had in, you know, since the first time I saw it. Yeah, so totally. Yeah. Well, so before last night, when was the last time you'd seen it? Oh, I would have been. I don't think I'd watched it outside of high school. So at least eight years since I'd seen it. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, it's it's probably been, like, a decade since I've seen it, which mm. is crazy. Um, but also, the first time I did see it, it was on TV, and I missed the first 20 minutes. So, I'm one of those people, Richard. I'm <laughs> one of those people who just caught it on TV and started watching and finished it, you know? So, I've mm. had that that pure Shawshank experience <laughs> in watching it, you know? It's great. Because that's another thing is you can just kind of jump in from any point as well. Maybe that's another reason. Yeah. I don't know if that that a good movie makes, but that's just an interesting point of reference, I guess. Yeah. And oh, another thing that's interesting about this film is that like it's not like Tim Robbins is just Andy Dufresne. Yeah, what else has Tim Robbins done? I've only ever seen him playing like silly roles in comedies. Like he's in Pick of Destiny and High Fidelity playing like yeah. really silly roles. I've never seen him do another yeah, serious it's thing. It's so weird that like you're in the greatest film of all time and yet <laughs> like I mean people know his name and stuff like that, but he has just like Yeah, he's never really done much else cuz I mean they looked at like um the likes of like Tom Hanks, uh, who was busy mm. with Philadelphia. Or, yeah, I think he was like he sh- he didn't want to do it after doing while doing Philadelphia or something like that because he thought he should just focus on that. Um, who else did they look? I was reading about it, but yeah, like a bunch of different actors, and then like for Red as well. You know, it was like Harrison Ford, um, mm. and 
Yeah. Like, oh, so Tom Cruise turned down the role of Andy Dufresne, actually. Wow. Well, there you go. And it's like so maybe, it's not necessarily yeah. like in these the film would have been worse in any way, but it's just really interesting that we have this. It's not like a Tom Cruise movie or a Tom Hanks movie. It's not a Tom movie, you know. It's, no, it's a Tim movie. <laughs> it's at both. It's at both times not even a Morgan Freeman movie, and then extremely a Morgan Freeman movie. You know, this yeah. is what people when people make the joke about Morgan Freeman narrating heaps. This is one of the biggest. You know, yeah. qualifies. This is that. just what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. Um. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, shall we now um ruin what we've all said by pitching a sequel to it? Because <laughs> that's probably oh, another yes. thing that's so so great about it is that it's uh, sequelless. You know, um, and so it exists as this pure thing that was never adulterated in any way, um. So that's kind of cool. But like so there hasn't been as far as I can tell there's there's no sequel to the to the short story or anything like that. Mm. Um the only thing that would be worth mentioning I guess is that it is set within Stephen King's wider universe. Um his dark no what's it called his Castle Rock universe no, kind the, of thing. um Dark Tower. Thing. Yeah. No, Dark Tower's different though. All right. Or is it? I don't know. Anyway, don't at me. Um, but there is a show on TV at the moment called Castle Rock yeah. that yeah. Uh, features Shawshank Prison in it. Um, mm. So Shawshank has made an appearance, but we never found out what happened to the characters. Not that, like, I feel like we don't need to. It's pretty, yeah, pretty well, satisfying like, ending. Yeah, he uses a lot of those things like Dairy Maine, because um, yeah. Maine, I think, is where he grew up. So a lot of the stories play- take place there. Um, mm. Yeah, like. Um, and I, th- I think, like, I think it's um, Shawshank Redemption that it, like it comes from a a collection of like novellas, short, short story things, and it's got um, the body, which was adapted into Stand by Me, um, was in it as well. Yeah, I can find that out. I think, yeah, I know the body was in it. Um, yeah, and then there was right one other, oh, apt pupil, uh, um, which was adapted into a movie, uh, starring. Um, Emma Callan, and then there's uh, the breathing, the breathing method, method is the only film that hasn't been made into a movie. Although, according to this, they're making one in 2020. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that <laughs> yeah, that cool. whole thing will be made. Yay! Nice. There we go. Oh, Scott Derrickson's directing it. Of um, of uh, you know that film fame. <laughs> yeah, that he made film. Hellraiser, Hellseeker. That's it. <laughs> Oh, okay, and Doctor Strange, like that's probably. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Hellseeker he directed? It was Inferno. Yes, um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. So, do you have a sequel idea, dude? Where's my um, sequel? That's what this segment's called. I feel like the the sequel just needs to be called Shawshank. Right. Um, what it would be about? Although, like, maybe. Actually, no. What, what, okay, what I'd like to see is a TV show similar to like Orange is the New Black or Oz that's just set in Shawshank Prison, and it's so it's like it, it's something like you know a, a prison show, but it's set in like the forties, and you've got the same corrupt guards and everything like that, and it's just called Shawshank. So it's like it's just a forties prison show that's cashing in on one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, that's somewhat 
what my thinking was as well. I think you could do you could do it as an anthology series and have it go into a different decade. Um, yeah, and that's see, really cool because you have, have it, like the same actor, like you know, people age up actors and get yeah, different yeah, versions yeah. of people and stuff like that. That's a really good idea, actually. Yeah, Shawshank an anthology series because Brooks says that he um, had been in. Um, He'd been in Shawshank Prison since 05, which is crazy. Yeah. He was, he was like, and then got put on book duty in um, 1912, which is, you know, like over 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you started there. And maybe, maybe even Brooks is like your, your character that you, that you, that you follow. Um, yeah. And, but- and, you know, you can do, you could do Red. Young Red first coming to prison. Yeah. And this feels very cashing in. Yeah. I, I don't want Morgan this to Freeman's happen. son played, um, <laughs> Uh, is the photo of young Morgan Freeman. Ah, okay. And also there's like a, on the DVD I had, there's like uh, this weird short film like parody of it, like set in an office, I think. And it's got Morgan Freeman's son playing Morgan, playing that character. I've seen uh, the one thing I remember of this was, um, do you know about Jib, Jib Jab? <laughs> the, like- Jib Jab, yeah. Yeah, they did a rap. Please state Shawshank your name. Edition. I'm Andy Dufresne. You title yeah. on murder for the state of Maine. If you ever get out, go to Zewatanejo. Man, that guy sure was an a hole. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or um, what was the other part? I remember was um, I'll uh, shake you. Not- no, thank you. <laughs> the when, yeah, when when Brooks gets out, he's like, not much to do, so I'll just hang a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I was, I was wondering if that was going to come up, but yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that today. I think yeah. one of my friends had it on his iPod Classic, and we would like watch it in maths class. Yeah, um, and then yesterday, because it was one of those things, I was like, "Yeah, I just remember that." Please state your name. I'm Andy Dufresne. You're on trial for murder in the state of Maine. And then I was like, <laughs> "Is that even actually a thing?" Because I haven't seen it in like ten years. Yeah. So and then I, I like googled Shawshank rap, and I was like, "Oh my god, this takes me fucking back." So hard. I remember I showed it to someone, and it finished, and they were like, "That wasn't very funny." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, it's not that funny. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that good." <laughs> yeah. Mm. All right. Well, I'm pretty pretty happy to to call it there. I think we've we've generic movie podcasted oh yeah you, you reckon yeah what uh, did you have something else you wanted to talk about oh i don't know mate uh i the the thing i was talking about is called the shark tank redemption it's like <laughs> 25 minutes long it's on youtube um and yeah it's like a parody of it it's set in an office um it sounds and- abysmal Huh? It, sounds <laughs> it sounds abysmal. Like I would not that, want to well, watch it. For film franchise follow-ups, we need to start generic movie, uh, generic underscore movie underscore podcast dot exe follow-ups. We will watch generic the underscore <laughs> movie underscore follow-ups. Mm. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's do that then. Um, but yeah, other than that, hey, go watch the Shawshank Redemption. I love it. I love it so much. I forgot how much I loved it. Yeah, it, it is really good. I, I think it's it's one of those. <laughs> films like, yeah, that- it's really good, but. I don't really like it. <laughs> um, I, I I think maybe I don't like. I can I can say it's it's objectively one of like the best films ever made, but I think I don't have as much of a personal connection to it to list it as like one of my favorites. You know? Yeah, I know. I'm similar. I think I wouldn't. I it depends how long my list of favorites is allowed to be. 
It's, you know, yeah. like, if I'm considering, although, I don't know, watching it again last night, I kind of want to upgrade it into, like, the same breath as the other movies I list whenever someone asks my favorite movies. Mm. But, yeah, I don't know, man. Guess we'll see what happens next time someone asks me what my favorite movies is. Uh, <laughs> they never say, what's your favorite movies? They say, what's your favorite movie? And I don't have one. I don't yeah. have one. I don't. It, it depends <laughs> like, on who I'm talking one. to and and how and what I reckon they'll respond best to. Because I've got like a few different answers that I can say, and you know, if it's someone that I want to be like have an actual discussion, with, like you know, some people just be like, "Oh, Back to the Future" or whatever, um, mm. or like Back to the Future, like Hot Fuzz would be like my go-to ones that I would always, that I would normally say. But there's other yeah. people that can be like, you know, Big Fish, and they're like, "Oh, well, yeah, I haven't actually seen that one, but I'm quite a big fan of Tim Burton." Mm. There you go. <laughs> well i mean yeah what else like what else does Fr- frank darabont did the walking dead and then left the walking dead so yeah, there's so not he's, much he's else going on he's adapted three stephen king films as well um mm. i've actually never seen the, the green, green mile, mile. Um, he did the so he's he did two stephen king prison movies in a row yeah and because shawshank was and his first film Tom i believe Hanks. yeah it was yeah um, and I think that's why Tom Cruise turned it down because it was a director's first first film. Mm. Um, but yeah, and he also did The Mist, which is like, yeah, not very good, but has a great ending. <laughs> I hate the ending. The ending is the reason I I don't like it. Really? That's well, why, you know, that's if why you guys want to suggest it's not a good movie, us to watch The Mist and debate the oh, ending. Shit. Then they're going to as well. It's if they listen, I guess. We still, no, they won't. They don't listen to this pl- shit. Yeah, please, please listen and comment on these posts because it starts to feel very lonely posting these, and they get like one like and a comment. So we've got how we got a new patron today. So we've got. Um, I'll give them a shout out again. Uh, so yeah, please uh, comment and like on patreon when you see this i mean i feel like the the problem with patreon is that you don't um it doesn't stay with you so like you can just go you you get an email when there's a post but if someone comments on the same post as you you don't see it so maybe i don't know i know a lot of i know of some patreons that have a facebook group that is essentially connected to it so if that's what people want maybe sing out to that as well um Our new patron today's name is Alexander. Um, he joins the ranks of Alice, Ben, Brent, Craig, David, Emily, Holly, Isaac, Josh, Josiah, Kate, Kieran, Lockie. Oh, no, Lockie's not one. He's just viewing it. Um, Michael, Michael, Nick, Sam, Sarah, Dog Hair Network, and Tyler Braley. I don't know why Tyler got his last name, but <laughs> Just rolls off the tongue. And Ben, oh, some of these, I read some of these out that aren't actually paying. Oh. Lockie, Josiah, and Ben aren't actually paying, so shame them out if you know them. In real life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think as well with with like Patreon is that it's real easy once you set up to just check the RSS feed and your podcast thing and then right. ignore it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you've got the podcast app that I have, in which you can't do that. Um, cool. All right. Oh, well, really? let's let's close this out. Um, okay. And yeah, goodbye. Thank you for listening. <laughs> See get, ya. get busy get busy get busy living no get busy, get busy. listening get lis- get busy listening or get busy not listening to this podcast <laughs>
Thank you very much. Good night. Thank you so much for listening to this, guys. Uh, once again, if you missed all the shit that I had to go through at the start, um, you should donate to our Movember campaign to help change the face of men's health in New Zealand. You should join our Discord server and chat with us about all things pop culture and all things cult popshire. And, of course, you should join our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash popshire. And if you're not going to do any of those things, at the very least what you could do is find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, um, email us at media gmail.com and you know support us in whatever way you can so thank you very much for listening to this episode um and i hope you enjoy it ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.